Welcome to the Wanderers History Podcast. This is Vlad Zamfira, and today we continue our conversation about the concluding part of the Siege of Malta from 1565. Picking up from the last episode, the fall of St. Elmo was a huge blow for Lavalette, who had to take urgent measures. Immediately, he had sent a message to the governor of Amdina, letting him know of the situation accepting it as an act of fate. It was in these letters where he revealed massed, subtle bitterness over the loss of so many knights and Spanish and Italian soldiers because Toledo had not shown up in time. Already by this point, there was a problem because Piale Pasha's fleet was so large that it could have easily blockaded and prevented any smaller naval contingents from the Christian forces from landing in Malta. On the 24th of June, which was a Sunday, a grim message was sent by the Ottomans, with the heads of the bailiff of Negropont, Commander Montserrat, Captain Miranda, and Colonel Mas, that died defending St. Elmo, had their heads on spear tips. Moreover, bodies of mutilated and at times decapitated soldiers were through in the sea that would be taken by the currents to Birgu, hoping that with this, it would convince the defending forces to admit defeat and surrender. Furthermore, captured Christian soldiers were decapitated in front of the Ottoman army at the orders of Mustafa Pasha. Strangely, Piale Pasha accused Mustafa of going too far with this excessive cruelty. Afterwards, there was a fortunate and interesting encounter with a Turk who had deserted the Ottoman navy. Throughout the siege, Balbi refers to this person as, quote, the Turk, unquote, who tried to swim across the Grand Harbor after the siege of St. Elmo. Later, it was found out that he was in fact a descendant from a Greek aristocratic family, and after providing valuable information to La Valette, he would be baptized by the Pope himself as Philippe de Lascaris. Interestingly, this family had three Byzantine emperors in the genealogical tree. He knew great details of Mustafa and Piale Pasha's plans. Finally, after a week, on the 2nd of July, a relief force arrived with 700 soldiers, 40 knights of the order, and 20 gunners, commanded by Melchior de Robles, a general brought from Sicily. The next day, the bombardment of St. Michael began, and in that night, Robles managed to sneak without attracting attention from the Ottoman forces all the way to Birgu. For the next two days and nights, the Ottomans concentrated on bombarding houses that killed many civilians working on the defenses of the walls. On the 10th of July, the governor of Amdina sent a letter to La Valette saying that 80 galleys and 60 ships were ready at Messina, all of which was actually Philip II's navy, dedicated for this mission. On the 14th of July, 
there was word spreading out of a plenary indulgence and a pardon for all sins from Pope Pius IV to everyone who was defending Malta. This was a small yet significant act from the papacy trying to lift morale of the defending forces at Malta. Meanwhile, on the same day of the 14th of July, the post of Francisco de Sanoguera, captain at the post where Balbi fought and was stationed, was shot down by a janissary, the shot piercing through his heavy armour, which was a big blow for the defending forces. It is around at this time when we learn of a bitter argument going on between Garcia de Toledo and Giovanni Andrea Doria, nephew of the great Andrea Doria, who's actually in favor in getting all he could muster from Genoa and sail to Malta at his own expense. There was a party opposite to Doria who supported Toledo and who did everything to obstruct relief being sent to Malta, arguing that Lavalette should surrender on terms, just as Villiers Adam had done in Rhodes in 1522. This party saw no reason to peril their ships for what was deemed by them as an arrogant order, the one of the Knights of St. John, and a very, which was a very narrow and short-sighted vision that, on the long run, would have imperiled the safety of Italy and even Spain. On the 7th of August, there was a large concentrated attack with 8,000 Turks attacking St. Michael, with an additional 4,000 attacking the post of Castile, for nine hours, which in the end was not successful. The cavalry of Umdina, under Lavalette's orders, then attacked the main Ottoman base, wreaking havoc and causing much damage, although many unarmed soldiers had been killed. Ernold Bradford, translator of Balbi's account, also noted that Piale Pasha's obsessive prioritization of the safety of the fleet which was quite similar to Garcia Toledo on the other side, impeded Mustafa Pasha from launching a full offensive assault on Malta. Meanwhile, all hopes hinged on the forts of St. Angelo and Birgu, which at that time were connected by sea through a water moat, and they managed to withstand heavy Ottoman pressure. Ferocious bombardments on St. Michael continued until the 7th of September. Finally, the relief force was seen coming from the direction of Gozo. What had already been frustrated Janissaries and Spahis retreated. There were indeed some typical September thunderstorms common in those parts of the Mediterranean that stalled Toledo's progress to Malta. His fleet had to reroute after initially leaving from Cape Passero in Sicily, then going to Trapani, then to Linosa, and then finally to Gozo and to Malta. By September 9th, more Turkish troops were withdrawing to St. Elmo. And by this point, Mustafa Pasha suggested that because of a strong release force that had landed, it would be best to abandon the siege. Then Piale Pasha replied that without any excuse, the Sultan would execute him and advised engaging the Spanish relief force. This would have implied a problematic delay, as by that point it was already mid-September and only a few days remained for cal calmer waters to retreat either to Constantinople 
Cairo, or Syria. In the end, Mustafa agreed, but turned out that this confrontation made things worse. Exhausted troops were routing, and Mustafa, even as he decided to lead a unit by himself, could not do much. By September 11th, the Ottomans had fully retreated from the island and had set course for the Levant. The siege had been repelled, while the Ottomans had lost 35,000 soldiers and crucial figures such as Dragut Reis, 135,000 cannon shots, according to Balbi, were recovered by the local population and taken to St. Angelo, showing the gargantuan scale of the siege. Garcia Toledo could have easily and immediately have attacked a withdrawing damaged Ottoman fleet and caused further substantial damage, yet he didn't. On the 14th, he was received at the Grand Harbor of Malta. After celebrations, festivities and a banquet on the 14th of September, it was said that Garcia Toledo actually monitored closely the retreating Ottoman fleet all the way to Cherigo, nowadays Kifira in the Greek archipelago. During the siege of Malta, the defenders had lost 2,500 soldiers of all nationalities, 7,000 Maltese inhabitants, and 500 slaves. A siege that had lasted three months, three weeks, and three days. After the great siege, Jean Lavalette commissioned the construction of the new city of Valletta in 1566, laying the first stone of his own hands. Hence, Valletta, capital of Malta today, came from the ashes of one of the largest sieges in Mediterranean history. When he died in 1568, there was a Latin inscription written on his sarcophagus, translating that among many things, he was in 1565, quote, the shield of Europe, unquote. In the next episode, that will conclude the Malta miniseries, we will look at the aftermath of the Great Siege of Malta and how it became a redefining moment for Spain, for the Ottomans, but also foreshadowed a huge blow to the Venetian Republic and its Commonwealth. Thank you once more for listening to the Wanderers History Podcast. Please make sure, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe and share this podcast and also stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you.